my message is it's never too late to be your authentic self and it's never too late to begin again. I shouldn't be an optimist with my life story and I am. Hi, I'm Quinn Fontaine and you are entering a world gone good. Well, hello, my name's Steve, and here we are in Amazing May, where we are doubling the good with two new episodes every Wednesday this month. Want to help us spread some good? It's so easy to do. Simply subscribe to our show on whatever platform you are currently listening. And hey, while you're at it, go ahead and rate and review us. The more people who do these good things, the more we are able to share the good of World Gun Good. And for any of you and all of you who have done any of these things so far, we say thank you. Okay, so let's talk about low moments. We've all had them to some degree, right? I know I have. (laughs) Maybe it was something most of us have experienced, like the breakup of a relationship or loss of a job, or maybe it was something a bit, for lack of a better word, lower? I think in the last year, we've all collectively experienced something a bit lower than (laughs) what we previously had encountered and felt ever before. My guest today has been to the low, lower, some might say lowest of places, the darkest of places, but he has found his light and rose back up brighter than ever before. Now he helps others find their light, too, through improv. He's a best-selling author, a cover boy, (laughs) a teacher, and someone who admittedly is still learning. Those are his exact words. You'll hear it coming up. He is my friend Quinn Fontaine, and this is his good story. Well, there's a lot of good going on in this world, and you are part of it, and I'm so happy to know you, and I'm so happy that you are my first ever trans guest. Awesome. There's a big sound effect that we'll have to add in there <laughs> that I can't afford. <laughs> and I've known you for years. I've known, I was trying to do the math earlier. Um, since um, 15 Minutes of Femme. That's when I yeah, met yeah. you back in the day. Yeah, a long time ago. I mean, I think that must have been uh, 2000. I think we did that 2001 to 2006-ish, mm-hmm. I want to say. Um, and as with many things in my life, I talk about this a lot on this podcast, is I did it as long as it was fun. And then like many things, career, even relationships, when it stopped being fun, I stopped doing it. Good. More people need to do that. What's your memory of doing 15 Minutes of Femme? Tell everybody what that was. It was a showcase for female-bodied people, mostly women. Uh, I was, I was pre-transition, <laughs> obviously. Uh, it was a showcase where women come together and presented 15-minute solo pieces. Powerful stuff, powerful stuff. And you were the, the brainchild of that. That was your baby, one of your babies. And I remember meeting you, and I thought, this guy is so kind and gentle, and I love your professionalism, and I, I love the blend of all heart and business, because that that's, doesn't always match up as you know. But it was a great experience. It was a great experience. I tricked you. Good. (laughs) Yeah, I tricked you good into believing that that was who I am. (laughs) So tell me this. When you did 15 Minutes of Femme, do you remember what your show content was? Yeah. Well, it it turned into, um, it's the first 15 minutes of my current show, or first ever solo show called Learning to Stay, which was really about learning to stay on the planet, not kill myself, learning to stay in my body and not dissociate, and learning to stay with my feelings moment to moment, because I don't know about you, but no one fucking modeled how to do that, you know? So, uh, and and I think cussing's okay, kind of. Cuss away. (laughs) Meow, 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 meow. Cuss, fuck. 
a few years later, not too many years later, uh, I found my way to Santa Fe, New Mexico. I had bottomed out on crack cocaine, alcohol, pills, pot, sex and love addiction, all everything stemming from pre-verbal childhood sexual abuse, found my way, thank God, to a place called the Life Healing Center uh, in Santa Fe, New Mexico. Uh, to do my my trauma work. But before that, I was with a therapist in LA and I kept telling her, there's a great solo show in this. There's a great solo show in this. And she's like, you're basically almost homeless. Let's focus on the, ta- you know, let's focus a little bit more on the fact that you're living out of your car and couch surfing. I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's a great show in this. And so years later, I wrote that show and I used that exact first 15 minutes that I created for you and your show, uh, 15, uh, 15 Minutes of Femme. So that's in learning to stay. I've since done three solo shows. People can check them out for free. I'm all about pay and play it forward. It's a miracle I'm on the planet. It's a miracle I want to be. So let me ask you this. A lot of people reach a dark place in their life. And do you remember the moment where you're like, either I can't go any further down, you know, and then the moment of I'm moving out of that. Do you remember those moments? Were they specific? I've had lots of those moments. I touched death a couple of times and I am so grateful I chose. I really believe my soul chose to come back. I knew my work wasn't done. And so at the end of that ride, that was a year and three months nonstop of crack cocaine, smoking and drinking and dangerous behavior, sex and love addiction, all of this nonsense, all acting out from the trauma. You know, I, I, I know it now. That's the best I could do at the time. Um, I called my, my therapist who I'd been working with in Los Angeles. This was all in LA. Uh, And I had told her right before I left her, I'd been working with her for three months, three times a week, the longest three months of my life. And with tears running down my face every week, you know, she'd say, there's hope for you, Kathleen. That's my birth name. There's hope for you, Kathleen. Really, there is. And I didn't believe it for me, but I believed that she believed it for me. And I could hook on to that a little bit, right? But then something came up in a hypnotic session. She does hypnosis, EMDR, all kinds of modalities. And it was literally me as a baby in diapers. And then I saw my dad approaching and I shut it down. I just shut it down internally. And I'm glad I did. And um, she said, do you realize you shut down? I said, yeah, I do. Anyway, I left there that day, got online looking for sex to act out some nonsense, found someone to do it with who turned out to be this trust fund girlfriend. Long story short, I met her smoke crack, did all all the nonsense. And I'm like, oh my God, I got to go to therapy in three hours. And I showed up to therapy high as anything. And I told the truth. And she, uh, shout out to she- Shelly Pusich. She is my therapist in LA. Dear, dear soul. She loved me through so much. And I told her the truth. I said, listen, Shelly, I can't do this type, t- type of intense trauma healing and smoke crack at the same time. I'm going to go smoke crack and I'll call you when I'm done. And she, her face dropped and she said, do you understand what you're saying? Do you know how dangerous that is? I said, I do. She said, do you get that a lot of people don't come back from that? I mean, do you get it? I said, I do. And I love you and I honor the work, but I can't go to this next place. I cannot see what's next. I just can't. I just can't. I'll call you when I'm done. Fast forward a year and three months. I tried to die. I'd be touched death rather, attempting death with overdose. And uh, something said, you're done. Call her, call her. And I called her and I said, verbatim, I'm calling you just like I said I would. I can't seem to die and I don't know how to live. What's next? And she very lovingly said, rehab, rehab is next. And I sat down at 120 pounds. You know, I'm five, seven and a half on a good day. 120 pounds, stinky, high in my boxer shorts and just punched in the Google search bar, multiple addictions, pre-verbal childhood sexual abuse, help. 
and up popped the Life Healing Center. Intensive trauma resolution. Santa Fe, New Mexico. <laughs> no joke. No joke. And as high That's as like I was. The NBC. No, I know. As high as I was. Everything, That's like the NBC version. <laughs> okay. Everything in my body said, this is the place. And it, to this day, it's one of the few trauma camps, trauma camps, as they call it, where you can go handle both things, your trauma and your addictions. So I stayed to start my life over in Santa Fe, and it's just been an incredible ride. Okay, I have so many questions. Um, I love your honesty. I've always loved your honesty. One of the first questions I have for you, getting back to something you were talking about, um, I know quite a few trans people who don't want to ever be referred again to their previous life. Yes. Um, you're, you seem very comfortable with it. Well, I get it. I understand. And I'm very sensitive to that for other people. Um, I, and I said my birth name was Kathleen. It was. And I was Kathleen for 47 years. Having said that, a lot of my trans and gender nonconforming brothers and sisters call their birth name their dead name. And so I'm very sensitive to that. But I was Kathleen for 47 years. If I'm out in public and someone says Kathleen, I still look around to see who they're talking to because it's a kind of a rare name. Right. But I right. was that for 47 years and I've made peace with that because, because that body, that person was, is me. That's me. My essence and my soul has lived in this body my whole life. Right. And I was in female form for 47 years and it was a hard ride and it was a lot of stuff, but I've made peace with it because ultimately Kathleen was a warrior who protected little Quinn who now gets to grow and flourish. And I'm almost seven years into my transition. That's really just so amazing. I'm 53 now. I grew up in Virginia, which is where I am currently. I live in Santa Fe, but I'm here with my mom. Um, and you know, Virginia, the state motto is Virginia is for lovers. Uh, I knew that did not mean me in the seventies and eighties, <laughs> you know, because <laughs> my own words, Steve, I knew I was a boy in the right. wrong body who liked girls. That was double whammy back then. Well, also, also, Virginia is for lovers. And if you don't love yourself, yeah, yeah, you know, it's that old thing. How are you going to love somebody else? That's the damn truth. That's the damn truth. So time is so weird because we're always in a moment that is shifting and we're only in that moment for a split second. And we spend so much of our lives um, coming to terms with previous time and fearing or anticipating, or getting ready and excited for coming times, that when you start to sit and think about it, and like right now, everything I just said, that's gone. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's all gone. Right. Like we could all just take a moment right now and be like, and we're all at the same time right Right here, now. right now. Right. Yeah. And then a second later, it's gone. Right. So how does that come into play when you think of who you are and who you were, not just as a trans person, but also somebody with a serious addiction that you still is a shadow in a way, I guess. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Everything I've been through brought me to this. I also believe in soul contracts. What happened between my dad and me with the sexual abuse, it made me more empathic. I'm already an artist. It made me more sensitive. I'm already a tender-hearted healer. It made me more of that. And so now I'm getting to reap the rewards. You know, a lot of, it's been COVID. I've been here the whole year with my mom. She had a stroke. I came here to be here last March for a month. Next thing I know, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here. And so it's, I've made peace with my hometown. You know, I'm an out and proud trans guy in my hometown. At first with lockdown, I was like, what? What? I felt so trapped. I felt so scared, right? But it's like, no, the gift is I get to be myself. I get to be in my hometown. I get to requalify Virginia is for lovers. Yes, I'm here. I'm a lover of humanity. I shouldn't be an optimist with my life story. And I am. 
So this is really interesting because in terms of being an empath, in terms of staying in the presence, in terms of being in the moment, you opened a studio called the Quinn Fontaine Studio. When did you open the studio? It's so incredible how it all happened. Um, Officially, the studio opened probably just about three years ago, if that. Um, My ex gifted me my art space, which is a beautiful loft condo. Um, she gifted me that in our breakup. Where, where is it? It's in Santa Fe. Uh-huh. And so uh, it, right away, I call, was calling it the Quinn Fontaine Studio when it was my art studio. And uh, I fell into teaching. I took an improv class. I love improv. I saw an ad for an improv class at a, at a local theater called the Adobe Rose. And the first Saturday came and went. I didn't make it. The second Saturday came and went, and I didn't make it because that voice was kicking up going, you're too old, you're too chunky, you're too and it won. And it won. <laughs> yeah. Two yeah. weeks in a row, it won. And that third week, I'm like, no, let's go check this out. You love it. Let's go feel this out, see what it's about. I loved it. I started doing it. And quickly, I became one, not just one of the better students. That's part of it. I was probably the nicest student. I was the most welcoming, the kindest. And next thing I know, they're asking me to sub classes. I'd never subbed. I'd never taught. I didn't think I wanted to. So I started doing it. Then the next thing I know, that class, whole class was handed to me kind of in a miscommunication. So I reached back out. I said, that wasn't at all what I meant. She's like, it's what I meant. Do you want the class? I said, okay. But I said, yes, with every part of me shaking, you know, scared, but knowing there's more of me on the other side of this, there's more embodiment, authenticity, all of it. So that was about probably almost five years ago. And it has been the biggest gift. So I was in the theater for a while. It was every Saturday. And then when the theater wasn't available, we'd bump it to my studio. And I had this big, beautiful studio with hand me over furniture and all this beautiful stuff that, you know, I hadn't paid for. I was still doing the struggling artist thing. And when I could, I'd, I'd, uh, I'd buy four folding chairs at a time when I could afford it. So the next thing I know, I have room for, tw- for, for eight, room for 12, room for 16. And I can comfortably teach 16 students at a time in my studio. And, um, but now everything's online. But it was just, um, it was me saying yes, even when I was scared. And I was scared all along the way. I'm still scared a lot. But I've learned. Oh, everybody is. Everyone is. I don't. Please. But most people is. just don't talk about it. Okay. Well, because we, exactly because we look at everybody and like, oh, that person has it together. Oh, that <laughs> yeah. person has a mortgage. <laughs> he has a mortgage. He must know what he's doing. Oh, look at them. They have a boat. They know what they're doing. And you're like, no, they don't. They don't have a fucking clue what they're doing. Right. 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 <laughs> I just said the other day in some meeting, some Zoom meeting I was in, um, we were just talking. I don't know how it came up, but I knew I was the oldest person in the Zoom, and it was only eight of us. And I knew half the people there, and I didn't know the other half, but men, men, um, listen to me, half the people, eight people, four of them were millennials. They were like in their 20s, you know, pre millennials, 1998 babies. And I said, uh, I don't know what came up, but I said, you know, I know I'm the oldest person here, and they all kind of smiled. And I said, I go, you guys know I'm 51. I go, and they're like, and then they got, I love that compliment with like jaws drop. And I'm like, that's right, I'm 51, I moisturize. <laughs> but what I said to them is, you know, I'm 51, but I still reverse the numbers. Like I'm still 15 in my chest. Yeah. I'm still dealing with all that stuff. So it is so interesting. And it's interesting that, you know, I'm a, from what you've told me, your online classes, you're working a lot with kids. I am. I have specific kids classes. I'm working with the Young Playwrights Program through Santa Fe Playhouse. I've been with them for probably almost three years. That's been wonderful. We deal, We help underserved kids. It's been phenomenal. I do a kids improv jam every Tuesday. Uh, that's that's phenomenal. And everything moved to Zoom the minute we moved to Zoom. So I'm like, we're going to Zoom and we're making it all ages. Well, you know what? 
I don't, this is where I know there's something bigger than me in the world. There's something called spirit, the universe, nature, anything you want to call it, something that works with us. I know it works with me. I'll use I statements. I, 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 I. So that first class, Steve, the age range was nine to 81. What? Nine to 81. And I just was in tears. Like, this is a gift. And so I said, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to listen. I'm going to listen. And then with COVID, next thing I know, the class is expanding. It's a drop-in Saturday class. So there's no commitment other than letting me know ahead of time. And it cuts off at 16 to 18 students. And now it's gone international. So now I have an international all ages improv class and it's just word of mouth. I don't spend money to advertise. I don't have that budget right now. Um, And that's, Another thing they talk about in program, let God do for you what you can't do for yourself. And I've had to get out of my own way. So the gifts from this year have been profound. Improv wise, who's better at it? Kids or adults? I wouldn't say anybody's better. I think the kids have less layers of resistance. The kids are more free, but not all kids. Some of my kids are coming in at eight and they're already you know, not coming from their essence. They're coming from who they think society wants them to be a little bit. Right. But in terms of more freedom, it's usually the kids, but not always. Um, But it's a a unique opportunity as well for, I have some serious actors that work with me where they get kids and adults, where they get to be with these, all these ages before they're on a set. And all of a sudden they have to work with a kid, right? Or all of a sudden they have to work with really an older person. And uh, so I said, guys, you're just, you're able to talk to all of humanity more and and not just talk, but relate. And all the work we do, it's a really, really safe space. That's the number one, because I have to create a really safe space um, so people can play and take risks and come in. And we always check in at the top. We have a uh, um, a check-in circle where people really check in with their feelings. And then they get to see that in, in an hour and a half, they can totally change their being state. So the emotional intelligence that we're all uh, working towards and, and and strengthening is profound. And uh, some of my kiddos, man, it's mind-boggling what they do. Do you think right now in the world of COVID and the world of doing these things in Zoom, when we transfer back, and we will, to a regular life outside, do you think people who do improv, your place or anywhere, have kind of an advantage? I would like to think they do. You know what? I, I, and then let me be careful. Let me yeah. be careful because I say words like better and advantage. I don't mean it that way. They have the advantage that they've been seen, heard, and felt in profoundly real ways. The work we do is not performative. I don't want anybody acting. I want people being. It's really essence work. It's about being states. It's so if someone is in a scene and they laugh, but they throw the laugh away, I'm like, no, stop right here. Don't throw that laugh away. That's organic life. Bring that into the scene and then justify why your character's laughing and see where that takes you. And then the genius that happens there and what people are reporting back is that their whole lives are changing. I mean, that happens with any improv class that's great, right? Your life gets to change because you're saying yes and and you're taking more healthy risks. But people here are realizing they can really be seen, heard, and felt. And that's what every single human being needs and wants. The other thing that's cool, Steve, I want to say is I'm an out and proud trans guy. I have very few LGBTIQ7531 students. I'm open to all of them. I just have everybody. I have everybody. I've got a mother and daughter who are from Africa that live in France, who English as a second language. I've got a regular in Germany, English as a second language. I mean, it's blowing my mind. I've got regulars in 
in you know England, Canada. Uh, it's it's mind boggling and it's beautiful. And my my studio mantra or motto rather, we have a couple. One is all caps: be your authentic self. Right, be your authentic self. The other one is play together planet. And we just started organically saying that about three years ago, maybe two and a half. At the end of class, I would usually we'd we'd go around and check out, say what our favorite moment was or our takeaway moment, and then we put all our hands in together. And on three, I'd call back, do a callback line, the funniest line from class. And on three, that would be what we'd say. One day, I was like. That's not having quite the impact I need today. I want something more heart-based. I really want something that's more feeling. And so I came up with, let's say, Play Together Planet. That was two and a half years ago. Now here we are, 2021, still in COVID. We are playing together planet, right? I've got little, little adopted black boys in New Mexico that are meeting African, you know, people in France. I've got all colors, all sizes, all shapes, all ages. I want more demographics with with regard to LGBTQ. I think a lot of um, my LGBTQ family, they feel safer in a specific LGBTQ class. So I've been doing some stuff here in my hometown with the local meetup group that's LGBTQ. And uh, that's been wonderful. We all see ourselves, I guess, from our own perspective, but I look at you and I see this glowing, sparkling. I mean, if I turned lights off and there was a blackout, all I would need is Quinn in the room because the whole room would be lit up. And that's all that's that's all who you are. And I think that's really amazing. Thank you for that. You know, and I feel like you saw me. You saw my essence, even though I was so wounded and hurting back then with 15 minutes of fam. Like you got me on a soul level. I had the pleasure of meeting so many wonderful women. There were so many people that I was like on the fence about. And, and my friend Danny used to co-run it with me. And we were on the fence about it. I was like, nope, let's go with that person. Nope, let's give that person a shot. And it didn't always, it was really funny with that show because there were times there were people where I'm like, oh, this person's going to kill, this person's going to kill. And that person got up and either they had an off night or someone else who you were just saying was so present and so in the moment. And again, for anyone who's listening, this show was timed. It was four actresses, 15 minutes a piece. It was a one hour and five minute show. I put little, 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 you know, comedy in between to just give you a little, you know, a little sorbet in between each uh, act, each performance. But my God, I think something happens when you in your head, like a, a comedian, a stand-up comic must know, I only have my set of 11 minutes and that red light's coming on. And I, I want to know. The, the, no, the, you're going to go black. No red light. You go black. And I'm thinking <laughs> trap door. I'm thinking trap door. I'm like, what, what is going on? <laughs> we had to cut. No, we did cut a couple people off. We never did. I don't think we ever did a blackout on anybody. What we normally did was a Danny in the back will yell, time. And then the person would have like this shock look and then the audience would just laugh and then applaud. But sometimes we'd be in the middle of a very dramatic sequence and Danny, I'd be like 1442, 1443. And I'm like, this person is never going to wrap this up. Like, and it was like, and you felt terrible and the audience would groan like, no, let him finish. Cause I was on a journey of a story, but that's, that is the journey of life because sometimes time just get called and we got to move on. I end these shows with three questions that you know the answers to all of them. They can refer back to anything we've already talked about or anything you want to say. The first one is so easy. Where do people find you online? Where do people find the Quinn Fontaine studio and sign up to do some improv themselves? You can send me an email directly at Quinn at QuinnFontaine.com. That's my website as well. Go there. You can also go on Facebook. Uh, the Quinn Fontaine Studio is a public page. Ask to be a member. We're doing all kinds of fun stuff there. That's my social media presence at the moment. I'm, I'm keeping it simple right now before I expand next. Question number two, who inspires you? 
I want to thank you for uh, numbering these three questions because I sometimes get lost. <laughs> Who inspires me? <laughs> and I'm not kissing ass, but you do. Oh, I mean, come on. No, I'm serious. The way you show up in the world, the fact that you created this podcast at a time when this was this is what's needed because not a lot of people believe in good right now. A lot of people are in fear and not seeing hope. You know, the other work you've done that I outed about anonymity and giving and stuff like that. But who you are, that's true. Who inspires me? People that tell the truth and live from their heart and are about service. Um, I've got a long list of people. You know, my mom inspires me. She's had a 180 since I've been here. She had had a stroke and she's today was the first day she vacuumed her own house downstairs in two years. Like little things like that are huge, right? Huge. Yeah. That's great. I owe you a check. I'll send it to you or I'll then email you the cash for being so nice. And the final question is how we end all these shows. It's a really simple question. Tell me something good. Oh my God. Life is good. Life is so good. We have to surrender and trust. Look at nature when you're scared. Nature does not get scared except in the moments it needs to, right? And I've carried the vibration of fear most of my life, and I'm still working with residual stuff as it comes up. So I look to nature to be reminded that all is truly well. Right here, right now, I've got all I need. Right here, right now, in the moment, like you said. I don't need to future trip. I don't need to rewind the tape and figure out what amends tour I need to go on. You know, a global amends tour. No, I've made my amends and I'm a living amends now. What's good? An opportunity to always begin again, that it's never too late to be our authentic self. This connection, this heart-based connection, this is good. It's more than good. It's great. Thank you, Quinn, for sharing your good. You can pick up Quinn's number one bestseller, Hung Like a Seahorse, wherever you grab your favorite books. I got my good copy signed to me by the author himself. Next time on World Gone Good. I hated what was going on in the country. I, I hated the cancel culture. I hated the politics. I hated that we couldn't talk to one another. I never believed or thought that I was so naive that we are all going to get along. But I really just believe that we can get conversation going. Amazing May continues with Christina Crowley, the creator and host of We as Citizens podcast, which started much like this one and where she shares weekly positivity with the world through people who are the positivity makers. Lucky you, it's already up because we're doubling our shows this month. So you go ahead right now, give it a listen and um, get some positivity going. Until then, be good.